Hello, welcome to the final swipe, a podcast about healing our hearts and finding love. I'm your host, Nikki Novo. Hello, and welcome to the final swipe. I'm so excited to have you here for another week and to be with you and to talk about the spiritual journey to love. We are here today with a very special guest, Casey Maine, who's going to share her experience with us, talk a little bit about her book who is, that is all about basically what you guys are going through. So I'm excited to have her, and it's nice to hear another voice. So welcome to the show, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, I know. Good. I'm excited, too. So, Casey, you wrote the book, I Gave Up Men for Lent, the story of a jaded, hopelessly romantic, health-conscious party girl search for meaning. <laughs> I love it. What does health-conscious <laughs> party girl mean? <laughs> so, that's something I've kind of always struggled with and almost still a little bit to this day. Like, I tend to be a person of, like, extremes, but I also, like, I don't know, I tend to live in this, like, struggle of duality almost. So, uh, this was more an issue, like, in my 20s. Um, out of college and, um, you know, I was living down in South Florida and I was still very much in like party girl mode. Um, so I went out a lot, you know, went out to the bars, like went to the beach and it was all very kind of drinking infused. And then, you know, you end up finding yourself at McDonald's after the bar and whatever. So it's like, <laughs> that was my weekend routine. But I also was always into health and wellness. So I got into running and I started running half marathons and then I started training. And so it's like, was this constant struggle to find this balance between, you know, my social life and my kind of health related goals. And right I, now I definitely lean more towards the health related, but I, I, I definitely still have my, my nights out. <laughs> of course. Of course. I mean, it's a, uh... Finding somewhat of a balance. So for those of us that don't know what Lent is, can you explain like what that, that you gave up Lent for Lent, like what that means? Yeah. So I was, um, I was raised Catholic. I am, I wouldn't consider myself a Catholic or certainly not a good Catholic at this point in time in my life. I'm not <laughs> very um, religious and my mother hates it when I say that, but I, now I'm just much more of a spiritual, but um, and and I might butcher this definition because I'm because I'm not a good Catholic, but it is for, the 40 days that lead up to Easter. So Easter in um, in the Catholic and several other Christian religions is the day that Jesus you know resurrected, and so the 40 days leading up to that is this just very supposed to be this kind of very self-reflective and contemplative time. Um, I think it represents the 40 days that. Jesus spent in the desert or something. And again, that's where I don't, I don't know the full history, but yeah. the point is like yeah. growing up, I just, you always gave something up for Lent um, as part of like a sacrifice. So um, like my mother gave up sweets every year. I remember my grandmother when she was alive would give up smoking. Um, and so people would give <laughs> up various things just for those 40 days leading up to Easter. And even though I was never really that into the religious aspect of it, I, I liked that concept because I like a little bit of a challenge and kind of like, okay, I can do anything for 40 days. So I've given up various things over, over the years, but um, the year I wrote the book, uh, yeah, I decided to give up men. That's funny. I actually was raised 
Catholic too. My our oldest daughter actually goes to a Catholic school, so we're you know still like very much in the religion. We baptize our kids, the whole deal. Um, but I remember just like after high school being like this. This Lent thing is bullshit. Like I'm not giving up anything. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, never. Um, it, it's funny. Like I see people do it. I'm like, this is so strange. Like why don't you just like give it up for good or not just for like just for the 40 days? But I always thought that was funny. Um, so tell, but no, you're right. It's like such a good time to kind of because of course you don't want to give up men forever. But it's like a good time to be like, well, what happens when I, you know, when I take this out of the picture for 40 days? Like what, what will happen? Kind of like an experiment. So yeah. um, why, why did you think men were, did you, were you like having a hard time um, relationship wise? Did you, did you see yourself like jumping from person to person? Like what, what made you think of that, 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 that would be a good sacrifice or a good experiment? <laughs> yeah. I, so I was, I was 32 at the time and I was single. And so I was struggling with a little bit of that, just accepting that in general, because I think, um, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to this for anybody who is in their thirties or getting into your thirties, you kind of start to, you can start to freak out a little bit like, Oh my God, I'm still single and start to do all this math in your head of like, I, if you want to have children and then the biological clock and all these kind of deadlines you've set on yourself. And so if you start to find yourself falling behind, you can get into like a really kind of freak out or like negative headspace. And so that's kind of where I was. But, but even on a deeper level, like I was just super negative about relationships and men in general. And it wasn't so much for me, it wasn't like a jumping from person to person. It was more almost like my entire twenties were a series of, and, and into my early thirties was a series of very, heavy, intense relationships that were not good situations. Um, like I was not putting myself in in the greatest or, or healthiest of relationships. And then it's like I would stay in those for, you know, like two or so years and then kind of get out of one and get into another one. And And so I just, I reached this point at 32 where it's like I was just, I just felt negative about all of it. And really I had, had like a, a drunken incident with a guy friend of mine that I woke up the next day and I'm like, I can't, and he had a girlfriend and I'm like, I just, I, I'm reaching this breaking point of something mm-hmm. has got to mm-hmm. give. And mm-hmm. I just decided that I wanted to just kind of give it all up for a little bit. And it was, I wasn't even dating a lot at that time. It was more like the mental energy that goes into being single if you're looking for somebody, whether you're on the dating apps or even just, you know, walking into a gym, walking into a bar, a restaurant, you kind of, or at least I would find myself like scanning the room, looking for young, attractive men, and then trying to see their finger to see if they've got a ring and they're married. And (laughs) it's just, it's like, I couldn't shut it off. And so I was like, again, yeah, because I can beat one extreme or the other. I'm like, I'm just going to shut it off completely then. Yeah, yeah, no, no, everybody does that. <laughs> That's the yeah. and it is, yeah, not just you. We all do it. Um, and no, and it's uh, totally exhausting. So, like, but it also becomes kind of a habit, like a like a mental habit, because I so I would imagine that you like can give it up. But did you find yourself? Did you find your mind going to that same place? Like, how were you able to? Like, were you able to quiet your mind? Like, what did you? What did you find at the beginning? Like the first few days, what did it feel like? 
Yeah, so it, it ended up actually being kind of much, much bigger than that. Because when I decided to give up men for Lent, I then was like, oh, God, I'm going to just look like this totally jaded girl. Like when people are like, oh, what'd you give up for Lent? Like my family, I've got a lot of family here. And be like, oh, I gave up men. Like I just look super <laughs> negative. So I yeah. added a couple things onto it, um, really just because I didn't, I didn't want to just give up men for Lent. So I also gave up, and this is what ties back to kind of my like health conscious part of me. I gave up sweets um, because I have, I have a pretty big sweet tooth and I had a couple like health related goals. Like I wanted to hit a certain body fat percentage before I went on this cruise. So I was like, okay, if I give up sweets, like that'll help me like just stay healthier. And then I also gave up social media because that at that point in time in my life, like, you know, my news feed is all full of engagement photos and wedding photos and people having babies. And I was just in one of those points of life where social media was just making me feel bad about myself. So I was like, I'm mm-hmm. going to take a break from this as well. And then I also gave up um, hard liquor. So not um, not all alcohol, just hard liquor. And that tied into a little bit of a health thing. But really, like, so the combination of giving up all that stuff, like I didn't I didn't have a whole lot to do. So it's like I did, I wasn't going out as much. Um, So I wasn't putting myself in those situations where I would maybe be looking for guys. And instead I, I kind of just fell into this very self-reflective like phase, which is ironically is what Lent is supposed to be. Like from a religious standpoint, I just kind of like went through the back door to get there. But the book really kind of chronicles, I really just kind of journaled throughout that time. And, thought back through like all the decisions of my life to try and figure out how I'd gotten to that point of just feeling negative, but not just about relationships. Like I just felt kind of disconnected from my life in general. Like I wasn't super inspired by my job and, you know, I had good friends, but I, I just, I felt off. And so I, I, I reflected back through all my relationships and really probably for the first time ever took ownership of like my part in them and instead of like play the play the victim which I think we can all kind of tend to do and then I Mm -hmm. even went back to okay like you know why did I decide to go to college where I did or major in what I did and take each job and really just realize okay these were all decisions ultimately that I made like I can point whatever fingers I want to but you know I I made the I made the choice so it it did turn into a very self-reflective kind of quiet time of my life of course because you took out you took away all the distractions all the noise so they like had no exactly Exactly. and I and I did not realize that at the time but you're I you're 100 correct they were all things that distracted me from ever really thinking about myself and what made me happy and so for the first time in 30 something years I removed those yeah most of the things that we do um you know, to keep ourselves busy and just to kind of fill up our lives. A lot of the times, like it's important, you know, exactly like that to look at it and be like, am I doing this to fill up space? Um, Am I doing this because like, I really want to, am I doing this because everybody else does it? Because this is like what you're supposed to do when you're 33 and single. Um, Or like, you know, because like what happens if I remove that? So I, I always, my husband and I like play this game um, when we go out to dinner we will set like little rules where like, okay, we can't talk about the kids and we can't talk about work. And it's challenging, you know, like it's like, okay, like, mm-hmm. well, let's 
talk about like other, and this is, it's interesting when you take away those like fillers in your life, you know, not that my kids <laughs> and work are fillers, but they are just like easy go-tos, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, and you know, you, you got to like challenge yourself to see like what's beneath all of that. So that's really cool that you did that. So, um, how, so when, when you start to self-reflect, which I'm guessing, like, what, it, what were you doing? Were you like journaling or like, what were you doing to look back at those relationships? Yeah. So I started journaling. Yeah. I started Mm -hmm. journaling, which I had never even really done, which is just kind of also just funny because I, as a kid and a a younger person, like I always enjoyed writing and I used to write these almost like poem type things. And then, you know, life happens and I just kind of got away from all of that. And so it was one night early into Lent, I randomly came across these old, like, poem things I had written and and I'm gonna say probably like 10 years earlier like I think I wrote them in my very early 20s and it was just this shocking experience for me it was almost like the slap in the face because these poems talked about a lot of the same feelings I was feeling you know 10 years later of just Mm. a lot of what you said like going along with what other people wanted for my life or what I thought I was supposed to do versus like what I wanted to do and so it was just this like huge realization of, oh my gosh, like I felt this way 10 years ago and I did nothing about it. And now here I am like feeling the same way. So like that night I started journaling and then that almost like opened the floodgates of all these kind of thoughts and questions I had about life in general and then like my life specifically. And so I just started journaling every day and then a little bit further into it, I thought, okay, this could be like the book that I've always wanted to write. Cause when I was younger, I had this goal of writing a book. Again, that's like a goal I completely lost sight of because my career path had just taken me in this completely other direction. And so I'd made this commitment that I was going to journal every day and that that would be my book. And so that's what I ended up doing. And then after Lent is I would go in and, and fill in all the backstories. And so that's where I would really probably deep dive into the relationships and it, it was like, it, it would kind of mess with my mind a little bit to spend an entire day journaling through a past relationship because it's one thing to think back on your relationship like in your head. And it's another mm-hmm. thing to try and form them into sentences to like explain to somebody else what happened. And it like brings up all these other memories. And so then after after those like days of, of writing those stories, I, would, I don't know, I'd be like, it just brought me so back to like that point in time in life that I'd be like, Oh my gosh, okay. (laughs) What year is it now? Like what's happening? Where am I? Um, I don't, I think we often don't do that. We, because I think we feel this pressure almost to move on, to just be okay. And to move on because, you know, we want to be strong or um, we, we don't want to really sit in kind of the hurt or the disappointment related to a relationship ending because we want to get on to the next one and find, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Right so that we can, you know, find our happily ever, ever after or whatever. And, um, and I think it's really important to actually to mourn those relationships and, and process them. Mm-hmm. Right. And to, and to understand. So how did you, um, so obviously like you said, you said like, you know, there's, I, in a way I was not able to play the victim anymore. And you kind of started to see some of the things where perhaps like, you know, you were, you were, you know, co-creating, you were part of this whole um, mm-hmm. relationship and maybe why it didn't work out and things like that. 
how did you find that balance between um, being accountable, but at the same time, not, you know, beating yourself up or judging yourself? Because I think a lot of times we don't want to go there because some of us are too hard on ourselves. We're like too hard on ourselves. So if we do go back there, we're like afraid that we'll never come out because like the mean, you know, the mean girl inside is going to come out. So how did you, like, how were you able to um, kind of look at it, not be so awful and then be able to move forward? on that? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, that's, I'm probably still a work in progress with that. Maybe only recently I've really um, seen some movement there because, you know, when I was writing the book and kind of looking back on all that and finally moving into that taking ownership place instead of playing the victim, there was definitely a lot of um, kind of beating myself up and, and guilt associated with that. And um, you know, this isn't a, a spoiler alert by any means, but like I was, I was, I had this history of kind of being the other woman, like one um, relationship I was in, you know, he wasn't married, but it was just kind of a, a tricky situation. And then I went from that into a relationship with a legit married man. And so it's very easy if, if you've been in any of those situations to, mm-hmm. to really beat yourself up and, and carry a lot of guilt. And I, I think I did that for a really long time and only probably recently have a little bit more of an understanding and appreciation of like we're all in process and wherever we are in that process like that's just where we are and it's okay and like we can only do we're always only doing like the best we can do with what we have in terms of our understanding of ourselves and our understanding of life and again that's not to try and like make excuses for yourself but more just Mm -hmm. recognize like I wasn't who I am today back then. And so I can't kind of project onto younger me and judge the way I right. think. Yeah. Now, but more just see her as like a necessary phase to get me to where I am today. And to really just see like every part of our life as, as a necessary step on, on the path and that the path isn't always straightforward. Like it winds and it goes backwards and it turns around and, but it's still, all just essentially like moving forward in the bigger picture. Yeah. And I think at some point, you know, it's just nice to know that, um, you know, that like those lessons that were learned and it's important to reflect for that reason, right. To not repeat and to look back and be like, well, these lessons are going to serve me. Like I'm going to put them in my little, you know, my little backpack and I'm going to keep on with this journey. And like, I'm going to be able to see it the next time it comes around. Um, because we, we can't, uh, you know, we, we can't judge like the patterns that are within us. Cause a lot of the times those patterns come from all sorts of weird places from childhood to past lives to like, you know, ancestors or whatever, like, and we just are replaying them. And unless, we see them, we can't, we really can't break them. So it's not, um, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's hard because it's almost like, damn it, I wish I had that knowledge before. Like <laughs> I, I could have done better, but at the same time, like the pattern has to like play itself out, I think, in order to be able to, to, um, to not do it the next time, you know, like that's just the way, this is the way it is. Um, but yeah, it's, I, it's a hard hard place to be and not blame yourself. So I think it's very courageous of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But I, I absolutely agree. And I actually, I have a, an article on thought catalog about why we should see our mistakes as mirrors. And cause I think you're, you're totally right. Like we have these 
patterns and we tend to put ourselves in situations and relationships that are like reflective of what we've got going on with us. So really it's kind of life, God, universe, whatever you call it, way of showing you like where you are and what you need to work on. But it's like, you've got to see that in order to change it. And that was one of the biggest realizations for me in the book was that like, I kept putting myself in these relationships where like the, the, the man wasn't quote unquote choosing me, but ultimately that was reflective of like, I wasn't choosing me in my entire life. Like so many of the decisions I made weren't true to what I wanted or what I thought was right for me, but was more what I thought I was supposed to do based on society's opinion. And then also a lot of my family and friends who I'm very close with and they all had great intentions, but what they thought made sense for my life didn't always align with what I thought. And I chose Mm -hmm. to listen to them instead of really listen to me. Yeah, that's the other thing that I find fascinating is that that's like that saying, um, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And mm-hmm. a lot of like the patterns in our relationships are played out in other places as well. You know, so it's like, I, to me, that's personally why I enjoy dating work, because I think that it's, um, you know, it is a spiritual journey, we have to spot our patterns, we, you know, we, we have to heal, go through all that stuff, like, you know, all that. But it's, it all, like, you were basically just saying that, like, this one thing that you were doing in your relationships, you were actually doing it all over your life, you know, like, that you were putting um, other people in all places when it's probably from career to money to, like, it just, it it bleeds into other places of our lives. Um, So, you know, I just, I find that, I just find that super fascinating. And I think it's also, for me, at least, I like to feel that, um, because it could get overwhelming, like when you decide that you want to like start being more conscious and you want to be more aware and you maybe you want to, you know, work on yourself or whatever. I think that it can get overwhelming to be like, oh my God, like all these areas in my life, all these different things that I want to do. But the truth is like when we work on one thing, it really, it really um, bleeds into the, all the other areas of our lives. So, you know, just, just pick one <laughs> because it'll, it'll, exactly. it'll and turn out. Yeah, because I think it's kind of getting down to that, like that root issue or that root like mm-hmm. negative belief or negative thought that we have about ourselves and like that's what then stems into you're right like all aspects of our life so if you can you can kind of do the digging just through one area of life to figure out yeah. like what is that like root problem and then address that and then you'll see the effects everywhere exactly exactly um so what, um, okay, so you're basically, you're, you're reflecting, you're going through the, I guess something just kind of pulled you to journal through this, this process. Like you, um, so do you journal through like every past relationship is that we were doing? Not every past relationship, but, um, the, the major relationship. So kind of the, okay. the key ones that really affected me and kind of my my view on myself and my view on life and relationships in general. And then also ones that like really impacted my other relationships. So I had a lot of um, family drama when I was making these poor relationship decisions, which is, you know, understandable if you have a, if you're close with your family or friends and you start to make these kind of dubious decisions, they obviously like have opinions about it. And then um, that causes arguments and stuff. So really just, I, I looked back at those major ones that had had left a, a pretty big kind of footprint on my life. 
And then, so can you tell us like what that process looks like? Like, would you, like you just had like a journal and you would write like relationship by relationship? Was it all day? Like any tips you can give on like how you did that? Yeah, so I want to do it themselves. Yeah, I, well, cause I, at that point knew that I was working on a book. So I wrote them very much in um, like story format to explain to mm-hmm. somebody else, which ended up being a really good practice because it kind of moved like my perspective a little bit from just my side of the story to also trying to share maybe what their perspective was. And then in terms of how it affected my family, especially like my relationship with my mother, kind of like what her perspective was. And so I think without really realizing I was doing that, that ended up being a really good practice because we tend to really only look at situations from our viewpoint which is uh, yeah uh, yes uh, that's understandable but if you try and and view it from somebody else's perspective so that in like a storytelling format you're not telling a super biased story like you're Mm. you're trying to give you're trying to tell it like it's like it's just an actual actual story like if you were reading a book like watching or um, watching a tv show or something like being like how does this character how does this character take it how does this character take it and that's interesting exactly and so while i was kind of guessing on and on some level of other people's perspective it still it shifted that lens which i think was hugely therapeutic for me because i'm not sure i had ever really done that because living through it all i saw i was just super attached to my perspective and how I felt and what I thought and, and, you know, how I was reacting to things. And so the combination, I think, of just writing it out, um, which really, I believe, almost helps slow your mind down a little bit because, like, our thoughts move so quickly in our head. So if you can, you know, sit down and think about a relationship, and that's one thing, but it's like, it's kind of all over the place just with how our brains work. And so if you kind of force yourself to slow down and write it out in sentences or type it, like I type faster than I write, um, in a way that it would explain it to somebody else, it's like it forces all those thoughts that are moving so quickly in every direction into like a sentence, like organized form, which I think helps you find and see those other perspectives. Cause like once they're written on paper and you go back and you read it, it, things become a little bit more obvious to you that maybe you had never really thought of before. Right. Yeah. And there's like a point of focus. It's like a meditation, which is actually doing it. Um, I, I was a right. I was an editor for many years before doing this work and definitely like writing in a journal versus typing as if you were going to like show it to somebody is different because I think that in a journal, like I'll just like scribble and kind of just, you know, like almost not even complete a sentence. But when you're mm-hmm. typing and you have, you have this idea that somebody may read it, you are, um, you are forced to focus and almost like, you know, being kind of like that meditation to like complete and finish out the full sentence. You're, you're forced to slow down. Cause I think we can still go fast in a journal. So I think it's interesting that you did it, um, typing that. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah, because if you think about it, like, why do you bail on a sentence when you're journaling? Probably because it gets to this point of it's not super clear and it's a little bit uncomfortable to really, you know, finish out that thought. Whereas if, like, you can't leave a fragment sentence if you're kind of telling somebody else a story. So it it pushes you through that discomfort. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. It's true. That's 
that's exactly like that. Ah, moving on. <laughs> like, yep. I don't like this <laughs> but yeah, like if somebody, but if if you were forced to tell the full complete um, version, like you would want more, like a more complete story. Um, mm-hmm. So it's fascinating. So then, um, did you? So, so when you during those forty days, like, did you were you able to like let's say go to a bar or like go out with a friend or something, and not. Um, and kind of like not go into your old ways of like looking for a person or did you um, find your brain like still thinking about finding a partner like, or were you able to quiet that down? Like how, how was that experience? Yeah. So I, w- I was definitely tested throughout the 40 days and really mostly at the very end um, when I went on this cruise with a bunch of friends from school and um you know, to be oh, completely honest and yeah, there's a little bit of a, a spoiler alert, but I, I, I failed. Like I failed technically keeping to my Lenten promises and, and it's funny to, to read back through it, you know, and how I, you know, kind of journal through that in the book and how I justify it to myself. So now, you know, I'm, I'm, it's two years later from that time period and from actually writing the book and it kind of just goes back to like what we were talking about earlier that it's everything is a process and including change. And it's, it's naive to think you're going to kind of realize your patterns and then boom, you're able to, to change them. It doesn't work. At least in my experience, it does not work that simply. So it's like that awareness is the first step. And then I think it, it is a process to, to change it. And so then it's also an exercise of, being kind to yourself and being patient with yourself and kind of everything that goes back into that like self-love world of being easier on our, on ourselves in terms of once we recognize what we want to change, it's just not, you know, as easy as being like, okay, like I'm going to make this change and um, I can be a little bit of a competitive individual. So that was, that was a tough, it was tough for me. Um, so it, it's definitely, I definitely went back and forth and even probably in the, in like the year after writing the book of trying to change my, my patterns in relationships and, and in life. The only difference was like, I was for the first time aware of it. So it's like, I could Mm -hmm. recognize it much faster than ever before. And then it's almost like you, the, you start to recognize things after you've already done it, after you've already done it. But it's like that time period gets shorter and shorter and then you're able to make the switch of like recognizing it preventatively and like, and change it before it happens. Totally. I think the first step is always being able to see it, even if you're in it, like just being able to be like, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing that thing again. Like I'm, I'm in it I'm yep, doing yep. again. Yeah, and that's like, that is step number one. It's like, that's the first thing we want to look for and then moving out. So um, did you, so you're dating, you're, you're, are you, are you dating anybody now? Like, did you start dating again? Like, did you learn anything about your dating process? Did you find yourself doing any better or anything like that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I am in a relationship now. Um, and it's, a, it's a serious relationship and it's, it's going really well. And it's funny immediately after the book, I didn't, I didn't date for a while. Um, because I was just, I think I was almost scared to, cause I, like I almost didn't trust myself to be of able course. to like break these patterns. <laughs> After you saw the monster, you were like, Oh my God, no, but no. I mean, yeah. I'm like, Oh God, I cannot. Like, <laughs> and I'm sure I could do this again. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't have the energy and I really don't want to. Um, and so it was probably, 
I don't know, six, seven, eight months maybe after writing the book that I kind of stepped back into the dating world a little bit, but kind of very quickly realized that it was, it was a situation that was very similar to my patterns. Like I was just kind of going where somebody else showed interest and not stopping and thinking like, is this really, you know, what I want for me? Or am I just all excited that somebody, you know, is showing interest in me, which was very much Mm -hmm. my pattern of go where I'm wanted, not necessarily like where I want to go. And so I, I put the kibosh on that. And then it was probably, then I really, and this I think is key. Then I got to this point of being like, okay, I need to find a way to like, I need to just be happy as just me. And which is why I think single people often get this advice, like focus on yourself, like don't focus on finding, you know, Mr. Right or whatever. And every time I got that, it's like, I would, I would cringe because I'm like, I've done that. And like, it didn't work. And it was only, you know, a couple of years ago that I really realized how that can work because when I had tried it before, it's like, yeah, I was focusing on me, but my intention, like my reason for focusing on me was still was to find, to find a guy. that relationship. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like well, I, I was hurt. I, I have to do this in order to like, um, you know, it's like kind of like instead of eating better because you want to be healthy and you want to give yourself, but you're like, I'm just eating better to get skinny, you know, and exactly. like, it's like, like different, our, it's, it's yeah, different intention. our intention, I think matters like so much. So I finally shifted into this place of where I was, I was happy just as me. And I didn't feel the need to be in a relationship or even ever get married. And it wasn't kind of in this negative headspace of like, F that I'm never getting married, kind of this jaded view. It was more in this realization of, I finally like hanging out with myself. And I finally realized what things I like to do that to fill my time other than, you know, just going out to the bar that make me happy and make me inspired and, and fulfill me. And, you know, I was in the process of trying to publish the book and everything and had gotten more into writing. And so I just felt more aligned with who I actually am, like for the first time in a really long time. And I was able to like remove that, that attachment to like the need of being in a relationship and of like finding somebody. And mm-hmm. so then of course, when that happened, so I did like really just focus on me in the truest form, then I did end up um, really reconnecting with somebody I already knew and went back into the dating world. And that relationship didn't end, but it was just, it was the healthiest relationship I had had in probably 15 years because I finally was approaching it or I was entering it as, as a, like a, almost a more complete version of me um, because I was much more self-aware and I, I was much more happier with myself in general. And it's like, I wasn't approaching it from this almost like place of deficit of like, I've got to make this work because I'm, you know, however old I was at the time, 33, 34 and like time's ticking. And it was kind of like, okay, well, if this works great and if it doesn't, I'm still okay. Right. Right. And that relationship um, did not, like, that's not the relationship you're in now, you're, you were saying. No, that was just no, like the, no. first, the first healthy, like, was like the first healthy relationship. Okay, yeah. So nice. So, um, yeah. what, um, you talked a little bit about, I think you, you talked a little bit about purpose. Like, um, mm-hmm. did you, and you feel like, is that kind of what you're, 
alluding to, like that we, we want to find a little bit more purpose within ourselves um, first before, not first, but like we could focus on that a little bit more than maybe focusing on finding a person, like a person. Yes. Like I, I, the question why is my favorite question in the world applied to anything because that's how you get to like the intention of your actions. And then right. that's also, I think, how you identify your purpose. And, and that actually, so in the very beginning of Lent, um, I randomly came across this YouTube video, which was ironic in itself because I never even really watched YouTube videos. And it was asking like, why are you here? Like, what is your purpose in life? And I did not have the answer. And that really like slapped me in the face of being like, wow, I've never once thought of like, what is my purpose in life? Nobody's ever asked me that. Like, I've never contemplated this question. And so that's another big theme in the book of kind of trying to figure out like, why am I here? Like on a bigger picture, like what do I want out of life? And I think it's important to, and maybe you don't find the answer right away and that's okay but I think it's important to start to just think about those types of questions because you're right otherwise we just get so consumed with kind of the external almost more surface activities of life of like I've got to get this job or this degree and I've got to get married and you know check all these boxes of what we think life is about but I just for the first time ever kind of tapped into the concept of okay wait there's a there's a deeper meaning of life and like what is that for me and ultimately like mm -hmm. what is most important to me and then how can I incorporate that into all aspects of my life you know and, and especially like career wise I think there's a lot of people unsatisfied with their with their job and I think if you can't if it you can't tie it somehow to your purpose and what you can't do if you don't know what your purpose is then then that's where I think people are really unfulfilled with work which is an issue because our society is set up that, I mean, we spend the majority of our time at work or working. So I think that can really um, have an impact on your overall mental state if you're not truly happy and inspired at work. Um, what do you think purpose is? Like what's purpose to you? So, oh, I could answer this in so <laughs> many ways, depending on like how like deep and spiritual you want to get. I think it's it's like the, kind of your why for for your life on earth this go around so I personally believe mm -hmm. in like that we have multiple multiple lives and each one we are here to learn certain lessons which some we learn the hard way unfortunately but that just is part of um, earth school as, as Oprah calls it <laughs> but I think we also have kind of like a, a a good lesson to learn like a goal to fulfill in our time here and so that's what i think uh, yeah purpose is and i don't think that it's necessarily needs to be super specific like mine i identify in the book is to make life better um, both for myself and other people and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with us but we can always be better like we can always learn more we can always grow more so to kind of help people spark them and like move them in that direction of being a better version of themselves is what I've realized. I really enjoy doing that. And I first like kind of thought about that. Like I thought back through, okay, like what actually makes me happy? And I remember when I was really in the running phase and running a lot of half marathons, I inspired or I convinced, I guess, 
several other people who had said they had always wanted to run one, but were too scared to, to like actually <laughs> do it. And I just, I love that feeling of being able to help somebody see that they were capable of doing like what they wanted to do, but were like a little bit afraid to do. And, and that's what kind of helped get me to this. Okay. I enjoy making life better. Like, and, and that can look many different ways. And so that I, is what I've tried to kind of tie into um, into my work life now, which um, ultimately gives me gives me more purpose on a daily basis. Mm. So, do you um, do are you seeing clients now? Like, do you do that for work? So I, I'm kind of. This is all again. I'm very much in process, so I'm kind of piecing it all together. So um, I have I started my own podcast, which is called the Better You Podcast, which. Um, nice. Focus, yeah, focuses a lot on our relationship with ourselves and just trying to better understand ourselves with the goal, hopefully, that we can then become better versions of ourselves. So I have that going on, trying to get that up and running and, and growing it. Um, I also, I mentor other authors who want to write um, a book, and it tends to be authors that want to write something that's a little bit more in the memoir field, just because that's my experience. Um, and so that can look anything from kind of like regular, almost like accountability coaching calls, or mm-hmm. um, like I have a, a manuscript from an author sitting on my table now that I'm going to review and kind of just do a, a first round of like developmental editing. Um, and then I also, I help a couple um, small businesses, which are really just people's passion projects with like some digital marketing. So um, blog writing, uh, email marketing, That's social cool. media, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So oh. I, I try and help people pursue their passions, which ties back to like my purpose. Yeah. I love it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I Thank think you. purpose is like such a loaded um, topic sometimes. It's very overwhelming. I think a lot of people have associated purpose with work too, you know, like just feeling like they have to do some sort of work that like just that, you know, fulfills like all things. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it could just be a lot of, a lot of pressure, but I love how you're explaining that you feel that it's um, a, something that we are like a lesson, you know, like some sort of lesson mm-hmm. that we're working on, but also something we're supposed to like bring into the world in a sense, like something we're kind of, and, and that's just an interesting way to see it. Like, it just seems like um, I'm going to learn, you know, and it's like the flow of life I'm going to take because I'm going to learn here. I'm going to do like, you know, work through this thing, but I'm also going to like give and like, what is it that I'm giving? What is it that I'm taking almost in a sense um, and making that more of the purpose. And I think some people are, are lucky to, you know, to, to be able to do it with work. Um, some of us, that is not that important. Like that's not where it, where it is, but it's nice when those, you know, definitely when those things match up. But I always think about, um, cause I, before I started doing dating work, I was like uh, really obsessed with um, finding work that, you know, really lit me up and that I was excited about. My parents are both immigrants. So we were like raised to just get a, you know, get a good job that was going to be going to pay us well. And that was going to be somewhat, um, study so but I was like that's bullshit like I remember being in college and being like this is just I'm like that sounds like a really sucky life you know like just doing something <laughs> because so I for a long you know I was looking for that thing for a long time I changed my majors a bunch I had a few careers 
and um, you know, ultimately found writing, then you know, found this work that I do now, and um, just really grateful for it. But then I look at like my older brother, who's a doctor, and uh, you know, he likes his job, like you know, he likes to be, he likes like the role. But it's not like he like lives, breathes, and you know, lives and breathes like being a doctor. It's just that it mm-hmm. actually fulfills like a lifestyle for him. And his lifestyle and like who he is in his spare time and like who he shows up as, God is like so his purpose. And I just find it so beautiful that like he was able to be like, yeah, like my work is my work, but it, and like to not get caught up in feeling like, you know, this work, like work has to be, but he, he can, he feels good about his work because how, how it lets him live his purpose. So I think that he has that relationship with it, you know? Yes, I I love that. And I agree. I think we can tend to like put a lot of pressure on, oh, you've got to like, you know, find your purpose and live your purpose and like everything that that means. And, but I I think it can kind of live in two camps where your, your work fulfills your purpose or your work enables you to To have your purpose. Yeah. To have your purpose. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's just kind of recognizing like what, what is it for you? And like, what is that like relationship? Mm-hmm. And I think that, and that's another thing that it's like, it's different for everybody and that's okay. Like not everybody's purpose is all kind of, you know, rainbows and butterflies and, you know, super like altruistic stuff. Like I, yeah. and I even kind of talk about this and realize this in the book, like, and I almost go through this phase of kind of initially like judging my father as well as um, kind of a back and forth boyfriend that one of the relationships I reflect on for being too like financially focused. And this is where I think, you know, the why can be so important because if when I finally like dug into both their situations, okay, well, like, why does that matter? Why does that matter? It kind of for both of them came down to like changing your family tree and being able to like provide for your, yeah, Mm -hmm. provide for your children and then their children, like kind of set your family tree on like a different path. And like, I got goosebumps even just saying that because while it'd be super easy to be like, oh, well, they're just all, all they want to do is make money. Again, what's the intention behind that? What's the why? And it was a beautiful purpose. Yeah. And they may not always know or be able to like eloquently say it. um, But it's, you know, like that, that right there, you know, like is, is it like, it's where it's at, you know? So I think that, I don't know, that's just like something I always like to explain when I have the chance because I remember just driving myself crazy and also judging people like kind of like you were saying mm-hmm. like just judging people like oh my gosh this girl like just has this nine to five what a sucky ass life right <laughs> you know and then realize that like no it actually there's something else for her and um like it's just it's realized in a different way when we are just kind of ro- roboting life and just kind of uh you know doing the job that's where you know, which is where you kind of were in a sense. And as you were able to quiet a little bit is when you were able to start to find these answers. So I think what you're, what we're trying to say is like, not so much that, um, you know, to like stress yourself out over purpose, but if you're kind of in a robotic state or an on autopilot state, like that's where you want to just take a minute to be like, well, what do you really, you know, what, what do you really want to do this lifetime? What do you want to exactly. do? Exactly. Yeah. Like, what is really important to me, and how am I really feeling about my life? Mm-hmm. And if you're not 
feeling extremely happy or fulfilled or inspired or whatever it may be, one, just being aware of that and recognizing that is a huge first step. Maybe you're not ready to do anything about it yet, or maybe you are. And so just kind of those check-ins with ourselves of like, how are we feeling? Where are we going? You know, what's important to us? Like, I just, I think that self-reflection is so important and we just live in such a busy time right now with full of distractions in like every way, shape and form that um, we often don't do that. Yeah. So Casey, what, um, what would you say, what, what are some things like people can learn from your book that might be um, beneficial? Oh, so I asked myself like a ton of questions throughout the book, which um, I'm not, it's by no means an advice giving book. It is really just kind mm-hmm. of telling my story, um, which I think a lot of people can relate to because of, um, you know, kind of the internal struggles I'm going for. But I would say that the biggest takeaway from my book is to ask your own questions and mm-hmm. and make sure that you're living, what can you do to make sure that you're living your life? not the life that your parents think that society deems as normal, um, you know, that other people want you living, but like, what is it that you really want out of life? And like, are you moving in that direction? And if not, you know, are you ready and willing to make changes to kind of get back on track? Mm-hmm. So what were some of, what changes did you make? Any like changes that you remember that stood out to you? Yeah, so the the biggest one I made um, initially after Lent was over, which I don't know, it kind of just happened, is I gave up all alcohol um, for nine months. Oh, wow. My goal was to, yeah, my goal was to make it a year, um, which I didn't, but um, that's okay. And for <laughs> me, it wasn't anything, I wasn't trying to be judgy towards drinking like I say like I'm in way too much of a a glass castle to throw that stone but it was more this recognition of trying to figure out why I was doing it like I had kind of grown up and always been in this environment where drinking was very normal like that was just a very normal part of social life but I recognize that isn't everybody else's norm so it was like I just wanted this reset of if I'm having a drink I want to know it's because I actually want one, not because like, this is what we always do. Everybody else is doing it or, you know, whatever, whatever my reasons Mm -hmm. were. So it's like, I, I try to get to this place of life of like every decision I made, trying to understand my why behind it and make sure that it was something that I really wanted to be doing. Um, So that was really kind of the biggest immediate change, just like for that kind of reset. Um, And then, all my changes were really pretty, I don't want to say subtle, but like not so obvious and they were all internal. So like when I was in a conversation with somebody or when I was in any setting, just really trying to be very aware and true to like who, who I was and um, you know, what, what I wanted to say or do, which, you know, might sound kind of out there, but I had just realized I had, I don't know, I, I kind of was playing this, this almost role of this this version of myself and I all of a sudden wasn't sure if that version was really me or if that's like what I had created over the years you know trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be so it was pretty Mm. uncomfortable at first um but ultimately it it ended up being like a, a great process because I'm I'm in a much better place now all my relationships including my family and friends are 
in a, a very close and like authentic and like connected place because we've kind of just cut through all the bullshit. Um, mm. And, and so it's just, it's been good. I feel it's not easy always. I'm not going to lie, but, um, but it's, it's been a, a necessary process for me. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're afraid to do that work because we're afraid of like losing people, but it's, you can actually just make some relationships better. It doesn't mean you have to lose people just because. Right. So that's nice to hear that you remained with your family and your friends. Yeah. That you didn't have to, you didn't have to divorce all of them that you were able no, I did to, not. <laughs> to just like rearrange the relationship. So um, thank you so much for sharing with us. So where can we purchase your book? Um, so the book is on Amazon and Kindle and Audible. So it's in uh, paperback, ebook, and audio form. And I actually, I read the audio, which was a whole funny experience in itself. So it is me reading Bye. the book. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you can find um, all my socials, blogs, articles I've had published, podcasts, all that stuff um, on my website at uh, caseymain.com. And the podcast is The Better You Podcast. And um, yeah, that's where you can find anything you'd want to know about me. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely um, link to it in the show notes so people will be able to find you. But thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Any last words before we go? Yes. Um, Let's see. Last words would be, well, that's a tough one. Pressure. What do I want to say? <laughs> I know. Um, honestly, I would, this is, I don't know, maybe a little bit out there, but I just want to say, like, you're okay to, like, everybody. Like, whatever, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, whatever you're not feeling, like, whatever you're afraid of, questioning, like, you're okay. Like, you're right where you need to be and so it's like accepting that you know place of wherever you are in process I think can bring a lot of a lot of peace or at least it it has for me that's something I kind of tell myself every day like no matter what I'm going through like I'm okay it's all it's all okay yeah and like grounding into it and not trying to like wiggle ourselves out of it and just be like okay this is where I am like this is it like this is this this is where I am yep Okay. This is where I am. And I think that's like the biggest form of self-love is just accepting where you are and being okay with that. Oh, that's so nice. Makes me like be able to breathe. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Casey. Thanks for being on the show with us. Um, it was a great time. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. For more guidance on your journey to the final swipe, please visit me at NikkiNovo.com.